What's up, all you burning bushes out there? You're listening to Polygonometry. This is a family podcast where each week I sit down with one of my many, many, many relatives to discuss what it's like growing up in polygamy. My guest on the show this week, it's the first week, first episode. Dude, it's the first episode. How crazy is that? I'm stoked. You should be stoked too, because my guest is someone who is near and dear to me. Um, I am so much like him, it's almost disgusting. Uh, he is a playwright, he is a coach, he's a teacher, hunter, gatherer, he's a Jeopardy whiz, and of all of the credits that this man has, my favorite is that he is my hero. I really hope that you guys enjoy the perspective from the man who has his mouth open 90% of the time, my dad. Ligonometry. So the AUB is, it comes from a meeting, right? Between um, Lauren, Woolley, and... and uh, there was, a, right? there was a, a, a meeting in 1886 in which something was pulled out of there called the 1886 Revelation. Okay. And this revelation um, basically said that this version of celestial plural marriage, a.k.a. polygamy, Mm-hmm. was destined to be uh, one of the saving graces of of mankind, essentially, um, or at least uh, for a portion of mankind. And so they were, men were put under under oath, essentially, to continue this, to keep this practice alive. Okay, because it had been, it had been under fire. It was definitely under fire from the United States government. And most people think, and I frankly agree, that... Um, you know the uh, the population of Utah was ready for statehood. Yeah, and that was the one major hurdle holding it back. And with the power of the Mormon Church in the state of Utah, especially in the eighteen eighties, at the time, at the time, I mean, you know, that that was that was everything. This was after Brigham Young died in what eighteen seventy seven, I believe. John Taylor took over. Mm-hmm. Um, this revelation happened, and there because there was a, a huge amount of political pressure to become a state. Yeah. Become a recognized part of the United States of America. Because it was then like Utah Territory and... Utah Territory. Um, Brigham Young tried to to create the state of Deseret. A separate, own, co- a separate own, country. Yeah. Okay. Uh, unaffiliated with the United States. The USA didn't like that too much. Um, fortunately for the Mormons, there was a little thing called the Civil War going on. <laughs> and But after... Fortunately. <laughs> fortunately for the Mormons. But after the Civil War... The U.S. government did send troops out, and there was actually one. Uh, there was a, a part in there called the Utah War. Who was the president at the time? U.S. president, eighteen eighty-six, right? Um, no, no, no. Was this Utah was War. this was in the eighteen seventies and through and through the eighties. So who was it? Rutherford B. Hayes. It was. Um, well, uh, you back no, it up. Buchanan, back, right? Buchanan. You back it up. I'm, Abraham Lincoln was no fan of the Mormons. No. Absolutely not. No. Definitely didn't like them. <laughs> I'd be interested to read some some things about Stephen Douglas and what he had to say because you know they, those guys back in back those those times they talked about everything. Yeah, it was like a podcast. 
Dude, if Abe Lincoln, if Honest Abe talked, had a podcast. Oh, yeah. Just listen to his, well, I'm real tired <laughs> Well, <laughs> of listening to all these Southerners. So basically, to achieve statehood, the Mormon church had to get rid of this thing. Polygamy being, polygamy. The, being they, the thing. The thing is polygamy. They had to get rid of it. And so they basically signed the, the, the papers, you know, that, that said, yeah, this thing's gone. It's done. So essentially what it did is it forced it into the underground. Prominent Mormon men and, and women continued to live that, that way of life this for years, 18, for decades. 1886. Yeah, 1886. Then you go for, you forward, you know, fast forward into the, well, I need, I need my notes sitting with me, but um, the Edmunds Tucker Law, mm-hmm. which basically said you're, you know, cohabitation. But law. yeah, it's all that unlawful cohabitation stuff, which is totally ridiculous. You know, from, I mean, from, a, from a moral standpoint of the time, mm-hmm. okay, but you still had U.S. judges, you still had, you know, various officials sent from Washington, D.C., who would show up in, you know, Mormon capital, Salt Lake City, and pretty soon would have a for lack of a better word, concubine. They'd have a mistress. Yeah. But polygamists who want to keep this relationship with another woman um, holy in their eyes mm-hmm. were criminals. But it's okay to go after a lady on the side. Yeah. For everybody else. You see, so it's really kind of a catch-22 and an oxymoron for yeah. a lot of it. And that's where a lot of a lot of uh, polygamists, just they hung their hat on that. It's like, look, you can do it and it's immoral. I can do it and I'm trying to keep it moral. Because God told me to do this. But you are immoral th- saying that I'm immoral. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, the morality war continued for a long time. <laughs> anyway, it, it went through John Woolley, Lauren Woolley. Uh, there, was, uh, there was an individual named J. Leslie Broadbent in there uh, along those lines somewhere. But once again, forward to the 1950s. And again, the U.S. government was coming down hard on, on polygamists. Yeah. In fact, they were they were hunted. They were the FBI was was involved in in manhunts and woman hunts for that matter, going after these men. Most of it was was in southern Utah, down in the Short Creek era, uh, area. Mm-hmm. So where, the Arizona Utah border, the Arizona Utah border, and which Grandpa was a part of. Oh yes, <laughs> your uh, your great grandfather was a part of. Yeah, and in fact, he was arrested and sent to jail. Great Grandpa was Joseph oh. Lyman Jessup went to jail. I didn't know that because for Unlawful cohabitation and polygamy. Yeah. Along with Ruland Clark Allred and several others. Anyway, basically here it came down to this idea where, um, well, think about the pressure once again. Think about the power of the Mormon church. Astronomical. Here's, here's this embarrassment of polygamy. Uh, the stain on the a, history. A of... stain left over from Joseph Smith and his, his ways, which you could have a whole other podcast <laughs> on if you feel like it. Yeah. So... This this relic of of what Mormons want so bad to brush under the rug and hide, it's part of their heritage. Did you know that the Mormon Church, like, really? I mean, I'm glad I'm glad you said you know brush it under the rug. Like in institute and in seminary, they like they're not taught that Joseph Smith was a polygamist. Really? Yeah. And what about, they Brigham, say what about like, Brigham Young? Well, I mean, Brigham Young's different because he's a little bit more notorious. But uh. the founder, though, the founder. I mean, they have. Pictures of, you know, like if you were to think of like a church house or a ward house and they have like pictures of the prophets and, and all these people up on the walls, right? Yeah. Joseph Smith's picture is bigger, larger, and higher on the wall than Jesus. 
in a lot oh, yeah. of places. Well, a lot of, uh, you know, my, I, w- I was taught my entire life growing up that Joseph Smith was a member of the Godhead. Yeah. That it was, it was God, the father, God, the son, and the place of the Holy ghost was filled by Joseph Smith. That was his, that was his, uh, his mm-hmm. spot, his spot on the, <laughs> in the Trinity, his, his, his rung of the ladder. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting because, you know, I mean, Joseph Smith, you go back in the, in the, in the, the histories and diaries and journals of people. Well, geez, play, play Mormon history. Mm-hmm. And, and here's something I thought about in my own journey through this entire process. Um, being born and raised, absolutely born and raised in the, in polyg in polygamy, mm-hmm. um, you know, Dad had two wives for a long time, and then he got a third one, mm-hmm. which, which was uh, some on some level a disaster. Yeah, <laughs> but he did his best, and he yeah. raised and he raised his family according to what he thought was best. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, people say, "Well, you were brainwashed." No, I, I was I was conditioned. Yeah, and if you and if you think the certain thoughts, and if you and if you go through the certain motions, you're just going to fall into that path. Yeah, and so it was like, well, yeah, you get stuck in a rut. Yeah, kind of, mm-hmm. but the rut surely is up to the perception of the uh, person in the rut. Yeah, you don't know how the rut, how deep the rut goes. Yeah, you don't know. And so you know, eventually, I I started digging, a, kind of digging my way out of that rut because I started thinking about a few things. And and the first, the first, the first thing that that really blew my mind, and I'm talking blew my mind. It, yeah. it was embarrassing. It was liberating. It was thrilling. It was frightening. Was the stark, naked realization that I had never had an original thought. Wow. Oh my God. <laughs> Everything was fed to me. I read the right books. I sang the right songs. I talked to the right people. I shook the right hands. I had never had an original thought. Nothing that belonged to me. I could parrot scripture. I could parrot the writings of Joseph Smith or Brigham Young or or more modern leaders like Rule and Allred. Mm-hmm. I could I could chirp away at those. I could research. I could I could look into all of the 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 books the, the you know the questionable books questionable books according to the Mormon Church right now. Yeah. But the acceptable ones according to the AUB, I can, I rolled through those for heaven's sakes. I taught elders quorum for years. Yeah. And and then I was had the opportunity to work with the young men and do the priest quorum and did that for a long time and I did my level best to put them in the same rut as me. Yeah. But when you when you stop and you and you realize exactly what I said that it that it's it's undeniable and all of those emotions still fall over me to this day about how embarrassing it is, yet how exhilarating and thrilling and liberating it is. To go, oh my gosh, I can think for myself. The cardinal sin of any sort of fundamentalism, regardless of what form it takes. You are absolutely right. And so, and, I, and I've, I've been struck, you know, by so many of those original thoughts about, you know, just thinking about everything from science and physics to, to morality. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I'm not saying you know, I'm some sort of a, a sage on top of a, uh, mountain somewhere. No, yeah. no. I, I just, the fact that I don't care if there is a sage on top of the mountain, doesn't yeah. matter to me. <laughs> I will go and, and I will do what I want. Um, looking after my own moral code, which yeah. I can freely establish. Mm-hmm. A lot of my moral code is left over from my parents yeah. and I like it. So I'm going to keep it. 
Well, yeah, and it seems as though that that's kind of consistent regardless of how you grew up. Of, yes, right. You know, I mean, depending on your situation, how your parents treated you and, and, and everything else. But, like, I don't harbor any sort of ill will towards the things that I keep that I like about growing up in the AUB. Oh, I agree. And, and, and that's the same with me. There's a like I can tell you about the AUB, the, some of the really good things. Like what? There, there is a solid, deeply instilled work ethic. I agree. Yeah. Well, I mean, you would you would know that based on your, uh, you know, go go back to high school, mm-hmm. cross country championship, five and yeah, what was it? Five and a half pineys, right? Six and a half pineys. Yeah, six and a half pineys. <laughs> six and a half pineys win the state championship for the first time ever. Yeah. In in that in Corvallis' school history, so, and it's all and that was all related to work ethic. Yeah. The the ability to go to work. So people say around the valley, around the Bitter Valley here, people tell me, you know, oh hey, you're from Pines. Say, yeah, well I. Born and raised there, I still live there. Mm-hmm. You know, in a few months, I'll be moving moving out of the, that town. But uh, people say, "What? What? If you want something done, get the Pineys to do it. Get those guys from Pinesdale." Yeah. Now, not everybody in Pinesdale is known for their scrupulous work ethic. And as a matter no. of fact, you know, the dishonesty runs every direction, just like <laughs> it does in any real society. Yeah. And so people like to pigeonhole. Um, fundamentalists here in here in Pinesdale, Montana, people like to pigeonhole, ah, oh, they're a bunch of wackos, they just live off the government. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, there's some people who take advantage of the system. That's for sure. Yeah. But that's like saying all the people from Darby are drug addicts. Or, and or whatever. The, yeah. yeah, and all the people from Stevensville are, are homosexuals. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's regarding, I, mean, regarding I just threw is. those names out just because that, you know, it's like it's like just taking an entire town and saying this is how you are. And it's yeah. not true. No, I agree. Making those blanket statements is not even close to accurate. Right. I mean, while there while there are drug addicts in Darby, while there are homosexuals, in uh, there are both of those things in Pinesdale as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's it's okay. Yeah. It's just it doesn't make and, any sense. To, and you know, yeah. Honesty, dishonesty, all that kind of stuff. You know, business goes, but that work ethic, like I was saying, that work ethic is real. It's mm-hmm. a real thing. I believe it is dissipating. However, I was about to say that. I believe it is dissipating where where it's it's changing because because fundamentalism is changing here in this location. Mm-hmm. It it's it's just like the religion is dissipating. So is so are the fundamental cores and ethics of that specific belief system. Yeah, and it it seems to be in the wake of what happened with Rosemary and and Lynn and the and oh the man great, oh. the great apostasy. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy, there's been some changes. All right, yeah, but um, I, I've been struck be before. <laughs> that should be about another thirty episodes. <laughs> I've been struck before with the, and this is might be pervasive throughout all religions, but as far as my growing up, and the way I the way I believed, because I really did. I mean, I was fast tracked mm-hmm. in my opinion. I would, you know, my dad told me you're being groomed for leadership. I'm like, all right, sweet, bring it on. You know, another yeah. notch in my belt, another rung on the ladder. Yeah. Instead of instead of what real Christianity is about, mm-hmm. real just you know just fun, just basic human caring. The thing I was struck with was just the unbelievable selfishness of it all. Wow, it is. I mean, it is inherently selfish. Selfish in what ways do you mean? Some guy doesn't get another wife to make the wife's life better. <laughs> He gets another wife to make his life better, and but not even this life, to make his afterlife better. Yeah. To hell with the women. It's yeah. about the guy. But the women who are in the rut 
who have been stuck in this system forever and have, have read the right books and thought the right thoughts and dot, 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 and all that told stuff. told the right things. And, and the told right the right hands. things. Yeah. They, just, they just go, yeah, this is, this is what we do. I mean, the, I mean, it seems to be the idea that like the best thing that you can do as a woman in this culture is marry a man with a priesthood. Obviously. But now, is that, is that woman marrying that man in the priesthood to promote his life or hers? Well, okay, now that's you a, can dance. That's I mean, a question for sure. Uh, yeah, here we go. Dan, <laughs> dance on this one, where it says straight up in section one thirty two, Doctrine and Covenants. If you have, if this, if this doctrine has been revealed to you and you don't follow it, you're going to hell. You know, of all, the I have been sections. told I've been going to hell many, many times <laughs> because, because of that. And so, you know, when you're when I when I was first really moving away from that from that system, mm-hmm. and I and I never entered polygamy, never had more than one wife, mm-hmm. did have opportunities. <laughs> praise Jesus that they didn't come through. <laughs> and when you mean Jesus, you mean mom. That's the one I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's the she's the Jesus in this case, uh, a phenomenal woman that I will never ever dream of thinking anything but the fact is that she's the best yeah but you, you start moving away from this and you because you're so it's so instilled in your in your life it's so instilled in everything you've done mm-hmm. and all of your goals and all of i mean everything it's such a part of you to where you straight up wonder oh no i'm questioning my upbringing i'm questioning this doctrine mm-hmm. am i going to hell yeah, I felt you get, that way. You get to ask yourself that question. Am I going to hell? And, you know, eventually people realize, well, you know, I, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like, like your Uncle Paul's version. Maybe we're already there. Yeah, maybe we are. <laughs> maybe I we're like already it. in hell. Welcome to 2020. <laughs> <laughs> the world's burning down around us. You know, it, it's, it's amazing. seven below outside in October with a foot of snow. <laughs> COVID-19 is running its course. Maybe. <laughs> Depending on which side of the fence you fall on politically. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have to wear a mask all day at work. Yeah. Which is definitely some version of hell. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's amazing to think that 2020, like, where Jan- the- January 2nd, there was like threats of World War Three. Yeah. Where did the murder hornets go? Yeah. Where did they go? I mean, they're not here, obviously, because it's did winter. Just, is this a, is 2020 realized just like a prioritized list? Is that what it really is? <laughs> Is it this is this whole thing is designed to teach humanity? Hey, just fix your priorities, okay? Yeah. <laughs> murder like, well, hornets. We can't worry about murder hornets. Murder COVID hornets. They're like number twenty-one. <laughs> yeah. No bushfires in Australia. Murder hornets. COVID. Islamophobia is way down the list now. Yeah. What happened to it? <laughs> Where'd it go? Yeah, it's something that we need to address. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm I'm, I'm kind of hoping that like, you know how they say like yeah, retrospect is always twenty twenty. I'm hoping that that phrase becomes... Oh, hindsight is always 2020. That's yeah. going to piss people off so bad. Yeah, hindsight is 2020 because every time we're going to be looking at our hinds, yeah. <laughs> once we get sight of our hinds and be able to be like, oh, we shouldn't have done that or we should have done that differently. Oh, yeah. Yeah, hopefully it, that comes synonymous. But yeah, it, it's one of those... I, I'm, I like Uncle Paul's idea too. He's like, yeah, we're probably already here. Well, yeah, welcome to hell. <laughs> no, I felt, I felt that too. I mean just with my own journey about, you know, investigating the LDS church as well when I was right. a teenager mm-hmm. and and being told by by people like, yeah, if you want to join our church, you have to move out of your parents' house. 
Ooh. <laughs> I tell you what, <laughs> I took offense to that. I, I'm glad you did. I, I took did offense too. to that. And, and my offense was nothing but a spark compared to the atomic blast that your mom had. <laughs> I was fired up and I was like, holy cow, I'm fired up about this. Yeah, Mama Sita was. Yeah, um, Mama Bear came out. <laughs> she was. Yeah, ready, she did. She was ready to tangle with anybody who wanted yeah. to dance on that no, one. No, yeah, the bishop at the time definitely. Yeah, he paid the price. He was. He was an old. He was an old cowboy. You know, old timer. Well, I called. I called the uh, the vice bishop or the second in command or the a member of the bishopric. Yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever one he was. <laughs> I suppose it's some first counselor or something like that. And I, I was yelling on the phone, and he's a friend of mine. Yeah. He's a friend of mine, and I was yelling at him. Not angry with him, but angry with the other dudes. Anyway. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, that was a whole can of beans. That's a whole can of worms. That can In get short, up. I was investigating, and the fact that I had the last name Jessup, the bishop at the time of the ward that I was attending, said, if you want to join the church, move out of your parents' house because they don't know what's good for you. Those yeah, were... and one of the things that pissed me off the most was that you actually considered it. Well, I mean, I was, <laughs> okay, I was a you... very impressionable, young, 15-year-old I know, kid. and I really want to impress on you. <laughs> That this is not going to happen. Yeah, I would. I considered it for maybe about five minutes, though. From what I remember, it might have been not been five minutes, but it seemed because I was like wanting so bad. I was so desperate to have something that was consistent from what I had from my childhood, but I knew I couldn't have. And so then it was one of those like hurricane sort of like thoughts that I was having that was just so completely out of bounds that yeah, I definitely and, and here it. and here's why because you were being selfish. Yeah. I wanted salvation. You wanted salvation. You wanted salvation so desperately now. And you, and you say you, you wanted salvation for what reason? Because I wanted it for me. For you. Yeah. I get it. And that, you know, there's, there's a human element. There's human nature involved in this thing. Yeah. Absolutely. And you go through any religion or whatever it happens to be. But I, you know, there are, there are some people out there who truly look after others. Mm-hmm. I was one of those to a certain level. Okay. Where it'd be like, yeah, I mean, you know, I want to help this out because. Mm-hmm. But more often than not, I came to the conclusion that I did that because I wanted to look good or I wanted to feel good. Yeah. It's not necessarily because I was good. Now we can get into a philosophical discussion about what is actually good. <laughs> That's a okay. long discussion. That's a whole different story. <laughs> but, um, you know, we were jumping around quite a bit here. Um, go, to, go to the 1950s. Grandpa goes to jail. Rule and Clark Allred goes to jail. Other people are in jail too. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen the picture of your Grandpa D in Life magazine? The one him like drinking, drinking water on the yeah. hose? You yeah. saw that? Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, all that stuff was coming out and these crazy polygamous people tucked away in the Red Rock Canyons of Southern Utah <laughs> are becoming a national sensation. Yeah. Definitely could you imagine, highlighted. Could you imagine what it would be like right now with social media and such? Oh, dear Don't God. Don't know. There might be enough other distractions going on where people would pass by it because everything gets sensationalized so quickly. Well, I know. The sensationalized, I mean, I'm still worried about murder hornets. <laughs> oh, well, that's your problem. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I agree, though. It would have been... It would have been different. Yeah. Who knows how it would have been different. But so, but at the time, everybody read newspapers mm-hmm. and everybody listened to the radio. TV was, what, just barely coming out, right? Yeah. And so people, everybody just were, were, were got hyper-focused on this. And, and you know, I think it was kind of trendy to discuss it. And of course, that was an embarrassment 
I think to the Mormon Church and the, and the leaders of the, of the mm-hmm. Mormons who lived around there. So they said so we got to like, do yeah. something about this. Yeah. And so, of course, being a very very powerful entity, they got the Utah State government to start putting pressure and going after these polygamists. So so they they mm-hmm. went in and they round and them they, up. Yeah, they they hauled off with them. I mean, for heaven's sakes, that's that's the Grandpa D story about him about him dressing up like the woman. You remember that story? Oh, right? that's such an amazing story. <laughs> to trick the FBI. He dresses up like the woman they were trying to get, and they let him on a wild goose chase and through they Nevada. Shuttled, well, they shuttled her. This was in Elko, Nevada. Yeah, they shuttled her out the back door and, and whisked her away with a couple of children, and and I think her husband was there as well, saying, "We got to, you know." Now he must have been still been in Utah because he was the leader of the whole crew. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so young men take off and on a rescue mission. Yeah. And their job was to dupe the FBI. They didn't. They weren't given instructions to go dupe the FBI. They were given instructions to go get Athlean. Yeah. Go get Athlean and bring her to safety. So they go out there and they come up with their own idea of, <laughs> hey. Starsky and, now, and Hutch. Well, you know, your, your grandpa D is not exactly, a, you know, 260 pounder. You know, he's not <laughs> petite, but he's, but, you know, he was what, 5'8 and, uh, and probably 150 tops. Yeah. And so he gets decked out in a dress and a hat. And a and, wig. And a wig. And they go out and get in the car like it's a, like it's a beautiful Thursday afternoon. And, and they go for a drive. And they're heading out for a drive with the husband who has also, uh, you know, got dressed up in clothes that were very similar to what the FBI are looking for. And they go driving down, they go driving down the road and, and the, the, uh, the guys in the black suits and ties follow him. Meanwhile, the other people on the rescue mission tucked Athleen away in another car went the other direction, got her out of there to safety. And so they're driving down the road. Miles go by. And I don't think there's a car chase or anything like that. But finally... But they, were, a, they were sneaking up on him. Oh, yeah. They were getting, yeah. Out, getting up on him. And and uh, your grandpa said that they're driving down the road. And this car this car pulls up. It starts to pull up. It gets closer and closer and closer to him. starts to pull up on the side of him. Going to tell him to pull over. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, these are FBI agents. Yeah. And as this car is getting closer and closer, Dad, your grandpa, takes off the wig, the hat, and I don't know if he peeled the dress down or what and revealed his regular clothes underneath. Yeah. But here comes this, these federal agents up alongside, <laughs> and they look in the car, and they do not see who they thought they saw. <laughs> because here's your grandpa with this big old wide grin just smiling at him, and they wave at him and keep on driving. <laughs> he said that car slammed on its brakes and whipped around like the movies. <laughs> and flew back to the house and of course the house was vacant yep god that's so cool <laughs> <laughs> and and so you know there was no crime committed no they were just they were smart they were just uh, you know they were doing sneaky that's I, I, if I, there was ever a movie that I could produce and make <laughs> I, I want that especially, in <laughs> especially your grandpa D stinking math teacher you know like <laughs> yeah. oh what yeah he's just like he was teaching in no, he wasn't in Orem. Where was he? Where was he I teaching? don't think I don't think he had, he had even gone to college yet. Okay, so he was really young. Or if he or if he was if he had gone, he was just going to college, because um, he was working at American Oil. Oh, that's right, with Uncle Marv. Mm-hmm. Um, Grandma Melita got sick, mm-hmm. and somebody had to take care of things, and so they said, "Look, we have we got to take care of Mom and the family." So all, the boys started just going to work. Yeah. So your grandpa was working at American Oil. And but it was always one of Grandma's dreams that one of her sons would go to college. Wasn't it like kind of like this vote? 
It was, well, basically, it was kind of like a vote because a vote where Morris and Marv voted and nobody else had a say. <laughs> and so they said, Mom wants somebody to go to college. D, you're it. And Dad yeah. said, okay. And went and got a math education degree. Mm-hmm. And, started, and then, you know, moved history from there. Yeah. So in the 1950s, people are in jail. The feds or the state people, whoever it was, come to Ruland Clark Allred and Joseph Lyman Jessup and say, sign this paper and we'll let you out. You can go take care of your families because their families were suffering. Yeah. Remember, they had huge families. Because their providers were now not able to work. Right. Now you can imagine, I mean, providing for a, a wife and a couple of kids is pretty tough. Especially back in, in those the, times. Yeah, you know, back in the 50s. It might have been a little bit easier depending on who you were. Who but you these were guys had yeah. huge families. Yeah. And young families. And so it didn't work to, you know, 20-year-old so-and-so couldn't just take off and go get a job and support the family necessarily. Mm-hmm. Especially when there were, what, 20-something children. Who yeah. I don't even remember. Yeah. You know, I was trying to figure out my the number of cousins I have the other day. Like and first I, cousins? I, I know I'm well over 5,000. First cousins. First cousins, you have over 5,000. Mm-hmm. I think so. <laughs> No, that can't. That can't be. That, that's, that's probably too, second cousins, right? That's probably first and second cousins. First and second cousins total. Okay, that makes more sense. Okay, well, right? we had we had a family reunion. We had a Jessup family reunion years ago. It had to be twenty years ago, here in Pinesdale, and they tallied all of Joseph Lyman's descendants at that time. And that that's probably what I'm thinking is the is the number it was over five thousand from one man. Holy cow! And that was years ago. And now, I mean, you know, the, oh, it's probably doubled since then. Very right. well could have. Well, very, 20 years ago, well. it's probably not doubled. It's probably been close. Maybe it's like yeah, but you, yeah, maybe 50% more. At least. Yeah. Because all those people are still having kids, and now their kids were having kids, and I mean, it just yeah. goes like yeah. rabbits. <laughs> no shortage of children. <laughs> no, shortage, no shortage of good times for the, uh, the, for the old codgers. <laughs> okay, so as it, as it rolls around, Mr. Allred and Mr. Jessup, pray about it, fast about it, and they get this idea. While they're in jail. While they're in prison. They, yeah. are, they are the Utah State pen. Mm-hmm. And while they're in prison, they go, you know what, this is going to be okay. Let's sign the paper. Meaning, let's lie. Yeah. They had, they signed the, so they signed the paper. This, they signed and that the paper was, hey, you are now legally obligated to not practice polygamy anymore. Exactly. Yeah. You, they're going to, you know, we'll let you, out you, you don't, you, you do don't anymore. do this anymore. You don't promote it anymore. You do nothing. And these guys were like, um, Hint, hint, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Sure, we won't. Mm-hmm. We would never do that after we sign a paper. Yeah. And of course, they re- they looked at it as I'm I'm actually living God's law. The and versus it's higher than the land's the, law. Yes, law the law of the land, of the land mm-hmm. as, as they say. Well, there were other people in jail with them too. The names are there are probably five or six of them. Yeah. And they said, uh, no way, we're not signing that paper because it's a matter of honor. We will not sign that paper. If you yeah. sign that paper, you're a dirty, rotten scoundrel. Well, these two guys signed the paper, get out of jail, go and do their thing. The other guy stayed in jail for a little while longer. Okay. That created a major rift in this one um, group of fundamentalists. And that was, at that time, the FLDS, right? The, well. Or Council of Friends or something like it that? Was like it was like Council, yeah, Council of Friends. And so basically is what happened is this split happened. Yeah. The split goes, and then that's where the FLDS showed up and they all, and everybody. Oh, and, you that's know, right. And okay. then the AUB, which is essentially a kind of a, almost a business arm name of, of this, this group of people, mm-hmm. the apostolic United brethren show up with Rulin Allred as the boss. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, but you have to back up even more than that because Joseph Musser was the boss at the time and he started uh, really confiding in Ruin Allred. Well, the rest of his cronies on this council of men who called yeah. the shots didn't like it because Ruin was a very intelligent and suave youngster. Good-looking good doctor. Lo- good-looking doctor, educated. Yeah. And they, they said, well, he's obviously influencing this old man. Mm-hmm. And he might even be drugging him, or you know, there's all kinds of rumors going on. So the oh, that's cool. so really the split kind of started going right there, and Joseph and the 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 real split came when Joseph Musser they said you can't you're doing things wrong we're 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 opposed to you dot 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 and Joseph Musser said I'm the boss I can do whatever I want yeah and they said no you can't and he said watch me you are all dismissed and he calls as his first counselor. Ruling all red. There you go. Okay, so all these families, these families break apart. I have, I have aunts and uncles I've never met before. Brothers and sisters of grandpa. I have yes, there are there are. I have aunts and uncles. Some of them direct aunts and uncles, as in blood bl- sister, and full blood, blood yeah. full yeah. blood mom and dad. No polygonometry involved <laughs> in with my dad, and I've never met them. Wow. Because they were part of this split back in the 1950s, yeah, or 59. I don't know. You know, yeah. we could we could dig into the dates, but and so I have cousins, thousands of them, yeah, that I've never met. Wow, they do pop up in strange locations sometimes. Like I'm, where? Dylan, Montana. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I think you told me about that. I was in Safeway in Dylan, Montana, and I was with your mom. And your mom walks into one aisle, and I walk in the other aisle, and and uh, she said she came around with this look on her face, and I said, "What?" She says, "You got to come meet your cousins." She didn't. She didn't talk to them. She just knew based on the way they were dressed and the way they looked. So I flat out walked in there. I was like, "Hey, um, sup? You a Jessa?" <laughs> yeah. So, so I was like, "This is who I am. Who are you?" And we smiled and said hi to each other, and then went on our merry way. Yeah. Another one, I was, shoot, I was ice skating in Salt Lake City. And there was this young woman and, and uh, what I assume was her boyfriend. It turned out to be her brother. Huh? That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so I, 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 I skated over and it was obvious. I was skating with a bunch of, uh, on a youth, youth trip, kind of a field trip thing. And, mm-hmm. and I saw the, this young man and woman. I skated over next to the young woman. I said, I think I'm related to you. And it was about four seconds, and the guy was right there protecting her. Turns out it was a relative of hers. And I said, I'm from Montana. And I said, who's your grandpa? And they say a name. I said, oh, cool. That's my uncle. I think their grandfather was Richard, I think, and okay. which is my uncle. But um, yeah, just wild stuff like that. Okay, yeah, then, there's definitely a look. There's a look. There's there, a look. There's some there's, genetic power. Yeah, yeah. The seed is strong. <laughs> As they say. <laughs> so, <laughs> so AUB is born. Joseph Musser passes away. Roland Clark already is the boss. And it, and then his name has been pervasive enough in the history books and just how influential he was to the point where it's called the All Red Group. It, it was called the All Red Group a long time. Yeah, for, for a, a while time. because yeah. because he was he was the the boss from what whatever whenever whenever Musser died. Mm-hmm. Which would be in the sixties, to when it might he have died, been obviously. in the late fifties. Because when when did Ruland die? Ruland died in seventy seven. Oh yeah, because he he was shot. I, yeah. I 
almost positive it was 1977. And then his brother Owen Allred took over, so the Allred name continued. Yeah. But when I was growing up, we had people who would join the group all the time. Yeah, it, it seemed was, to be that there was like very an common. influx. Yeah. But the Allred group didn't send out missionaries or anything like that. Yeah. It's, I mean, it was more along to... the lines, if somebody contacted the Allred group or the AUB, then the AUB would maybe send out a visitor or two um, or a time or two. Um, you know, hello, your grandpa on your mom's side. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The uh, doctrinal nomad. Yes, the doctrinal nomad. That's that's a T-shirt. Oh, I need that. Um, so, so I, you know, we had we had people all the time. Now, as a as a tried and true, born and raised fundamentalist young man, I was always suspicious of them. It's yeah, like, you know what? I've been here the whole time, dude. You don't know what you're talking about. And so sometimes they actually were this flash in the pan kind of kind of thing where they would show up and it was big rah, rah, rah time. And then all of a sudden they would just dissolve. Oh, Their I have to do all of just, these things now. I don't want to do that. Yeah. They would just kind of say, well, I can't just grab that pretty girl that I was interested in and whisk her away to who knows where, you know, some of that. Now, occasionally they did whisk a pretty girl away. So be it. Yeah. You know, it was like, that was an interesting situation. So really I, I was actually suspicious. I remember being suspicious of newcomers. And that was kind of, it wasn't actually taught outright. But we were kind of suspicious of everybody from the outside world. Because the lifestyle was so, I mean, there was a history of... A history of privacy. Privacy. And dude, the FBI is going to come in and, and take you away. Oh, hey, no kidding. Here in Pinesdale, do you know why Lookout is called Lookout? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Lookout, that stupid rock up there is called Lookout because back in the 60s, John Ray would have somebody perched up there with binoculars watching the two entrance roads. Mm-hmm. We, they had a radio, and if it came down to it, then everybody was going to either disappear and melt into the pine forest, or they were going to fight. I don't know what they were going to do. Uh-huh. Was there ever a standing militia or anything like that? Not that I know of. Well, Not that I know of. I know there were some... <laughs> <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> Too bad there wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the history of, of privacy, which is part of the reason why the anonymity of this particular oh. podcast is something that I want to prioritize. Anonymity and privacy is paramount yeah. in any uh, Mormon fundamentalist stuff. Now, especially you go, you know, go back to the seventies. I grew up in this in, in the seventies and eighties yeah. and in the, in the eighties, you know, I went down to public school Yeah, and, and I was just, I was, I knew, I knew I was just um, different, mm-hmm. but I wanted to fit in really bad. And that's why, you know, join the basketball team, try this, mm-hmm. try that, do other things. Um, and, you, and and all of us kids from Pinesdale really tried to to fit in the best we could. Yeah. And we made friends. Yeah. And the, for the folks that we went to school with, the folks in Corvallis were, for the most part, fantastic. Yeah. You know, there was always somebody who had to get something sideways or they were angry at <laughs> yeah. whatever. And so they would blame it on Pinesdale. And, you know, I had a, I had a kid threaten to, he said, I'm going to, I was in high school. He says, I'm going to. I'm going to bring my 45 to school and I'm going to kill you and all your piney friends. And I said, whatever, you don't have enough bullets. <laughs> <laughs> you'd have to make another run to Bob. Woods. Yeah. You'd have to, you'd have to find some more ammo, but uh, you know, so, and he was, you know, he was just, he was just angry at something. 
something that happened. Something that happened. But for the most part, I mean, we at the, in those days, you know, in the 85, 86, 87, we started making people honorary pineys. <laughs> and it was a, it, that was a badge of honor because we would, we, we would tried s- to own the, the identity. Well, we were not, we were never, but th- that being said, we were never, we were never, um, at least I wasn't, I was never involved in revealing people's privacy. I was, mm-hmm. I was never uncovering it. I had a, a buddy of mine, a good friend of mine, one of my best friends in high school. Well, he asked me, you know, every once in a while, whether we're, you know, we're on a basketball trip somewhere or something like mm-hmm. this, like, seriously, come on, Jessup, how many moms you got? And, then we, and we always joked about it. We always played it off. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, I have one mom. How many women can give birth at once? Seriously, it was one. <laughs> you, you, you want an anatomy lesson? You know? Well, I've also been asked in complete seriousness, so which moms give birth to like the legs? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So we we would joke and say, hey, you know, my, yeah, how many moms you got? I don't know. I think I'm up to 14 because dad, dad lost one and the, somebody, some other guy was better looking than he was. And, <laughs> and, uh, but he got another one for his birthday, you know, that, that kind of stuff. We, so, and they knew we were just being so sarcastic. Yeah. And finally I had enough of this guy asking me, he's like, seriously, Jessup, you're, come on, tell me how many, how many moms you got? I was like, okay, look, I have three. Okay. And I named them. Yep. I said, my mom's name is, is Linda. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I said the other two names. I said, and I, and I, I mean, I told him how many kids they had. Yeah. He looks at me. He's like, Jessup, you're so full of crap. <laughs> <laughs> he would not, because we had, we had set him up for failure enough to where he didn't yeah. believe the truth. Yeah. I no, that's something that it, it's definitely like transcended the generations as far as like messing around with people because oh, right. I did that all the time when I was a kid all right and then the, the, the good old stories about the gates and oh, the, the guards gates. the sniper towers and the sniper towers yes and the uh, and, and the you know it's it's Friday night they're auctioning off the girls and all that garbage <laughs> I want to get in I got to bribe them with my sister oh yeah that kind of business so, <laughs> but there you know some people were actually gullible enough to to believe such things really uh, you know seriously and other people other people would just laugh because they were mature enough or or they were they were understanding enough to go you know what hey I've been to Pinesdale I've been to Jake's house mm-hmm. he just yeah he's got a bunch of brothers and sisters and they're and they're they're just a bunch of crazy fun loving people yeah yeah I remember <laughs> because yeah. I never lived you know I I never lived with my other moms mm-hmm we didn't have a house big enough for, for yeah. all the families to get together. So it was. I convinced uh, a few of my high school friends that at least I hope I convinced them. <laughs> That's the mischievous part of me. But we try to convince them that uh, we had like a community sock pile. And <laughs> <laughs> I got screwed on that. <laughs> and so it all depended on how much or how early you wanted to wake up because the earlier you woke up the better socks you can get because you can sift through the pile oh yeah it was quite literally a pile of socks and the reason why some of the other pineys that you saw didn't have good socks is because they always woke up late (laughs) i hope he believed it (laughs) i hope so too but i convinced one of my uh girlfriends in college that we prayed with drums oh cool (laughs) yeah and there was like a family heirloom it's like, and each family had their own specific drum beat and rhythm. And yeah. That could make for an interesting Friday night. <laughs> yeah. But no, I know there's so many stories of like, you know, piney kids trying to convince, you know, 
friends or yeah, outsiders. Yeah, straight up. That, you got to have an entire episode, another a whole episode dedicated to that. Find some, talk to five different people and you will have an hour's worth of material, seriously. I will. I'll do it. <laughs> and, and just make some notes and or have them show up and tell their stories. Yeah. Because some of them are just wild or ridiculous. Yeah, I'll have to do that. But, you know, the the old the old Pinesdale City bigamy bump <laughs> has, has been referred to. Um, bigamy bump. Mormon missionaries used to come up and take pictures with that, with the welcome to Pinesdale sign. And yeah. they would send their pictures back home and be like, dude, look, I'm seriously, I'm, I'm here. Yeah. And so the, the name, the name has gone far and wide. Well, how about, uh, how about our, our friend from the Boy Scouts of America? <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, he was in Las Vegas and, and at a convention. Learning. So this guy is not affiliated with Pinesdale whatsoever. Not one bit. Yeah. Never heard of it. Yep. Um, lived 35 miles away, mm-hmm. but never even heard of it. And he's in a, he's at a convention in Las Vegas and meets somebody from Texas who somehow had connections to Pinesdale. Yeah. And they said, uh, hey, here you go. There's a town up there. They live this crazy religion. <laughs> They'll let you in, but they won't let you out. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of true. <laughs> Especially for that guy. Yeah. He was a good guy. Yeah, he was awesome. Um, so something I wanted to ask you about too, if you're willing to, to chat with me about it, is like, um, like how, like what that, and you've referenced the journey a little bit. It seems as though that you, I mean, just from what we've talked about and I've, what I've learned from you is, um, that you were like hook, line, sinker, going to have more wives. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. And then Jesus, AKA mom, mom, basically Jesus. <laughs> mama, Jesus basically convinced you otherwise to, to put it lightly. Well, <laughs> There, there's more to it than that. Okay. It makes it sound like that, that your mom was, was all, you know, barbaric about it. No. Yeah. And she was, she was very, very patient. And a lot of it was related to, to, you know, wearing, uh, wearing the, the priesthood garments. Yeah. The priesthood garments, meaning the wrist length, ankle length. Wrist length, ankle length. Don't take them off unless you're, you know, to have a shower, dive right back in them ASAP. Mm-hmm. Um, well, know. isn't it like too, like. When you're changing your garments out, you put you take off one side and then you get into the other side and then like some some sort of like some people carry it that far. Really? Oh yeah, it's it's wild, it's wild. This, but once again, you when you're in this when you're in this stream of consciousness, you just the flow is going one way and it's really really hard to fight it when everything you've known, everything you've grown up with, is in that same stream. Mm-hmm. No kidding. I I mean I I grew up here. Moved away, married your mom, came back, started working at the school. Mm-hmm. I worked at I worked at the school right here for twenty years. Yeah, I remember you know after working at the school for probably seven eight years, the weekends were such a treat because I got to go to town. <laughs> I got to drive our car and go with your mom downtown. All the way to Hamilton, Montana. What a the nine miles away. Nine <laughs> miles away. I no kidding. I, it was a, it was a treat for me because I walked to school. You know, yeah. you know school was only one hundred ninety yards away. Yeah, because of where we lived. I'd walk to school, do my thing, whatever it was, come home, do the next the same thing the next day. Mm-hmm. And so that was Monday through Friday. Saturday, I'd be like, dude, I get to go to school. 
or I, I, I've been to school. I get to go to town. This yeah. is great. Yeah. And in, and you remember Sundays. Sundays were sequestered away, going to meetings at at the church building, which is with the school. The school, yeah. And so Saturdays were like a big deal. It was really cool. That's awesome. Anyway, your mom decided through her own efforts that this uh, this garment thing was just stupid. And so she said, "I'm done. Not doing it anymore." I was convinced that my marriage was over, or would crumble. Really, oh, I would crumble very so soon. How, when was this? Oh, 2000. Wow. Yeah. So I was seven. Probably. Probably. Eight years old. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Just after, it would be, it might have been just after Tank was born. So 2001, two, where, yeah. I mean, these were, these were, these were life changes. These were not little blips on the screen. These are serious hashes in your timeline. Uh, no kidding. This, this is, this was, this was, uh, you know, a 90 degree turn or 180, depending on which, how much math you want. But <laughs> so your mom said, I'm done with this. And I remember trying to convince her saying, no, you know, wait, 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 wait. She says, I'm done. Not going to do it anymore. You do what you want. And I, and I'm really grateful. I think she had enough faith in me that I would eventually come around. I would, I would think it through. Cause that's yeah. what I am. She, she's, she's more emotional. She reacts to things much quicker than I do. Mm-hmm. I, I tend to be more thoughtful, um, or, or patient. Mm-hmm. However, you know, however, necess- yeah, yeah, yeah. Not necessarily a good thing at times. Whatever the, but not the source says. One. Yeah. For that word. Gotcha. So I was patient and I started, I just started really, really thinking. I mean, honestly going, okay, what's the deal with this? And, and then I started looking a little bit into, some of the Masonic stuff. The where, five points of friendship, the right, handshakes, the, the handshakes, the, the aprons, mm-hmm. the rituals. Yeah. You know, with the, the things you're not supposed to talk about. Well, or secret, else you'll, <laughs> a secret society is a secret society, but yeah, things were opening up. Yeah. Things were opening up big time. Thank you. Internet. <laughs> okay. And, and I went and finally went, Whoa, this is crazy. And I started looking at, and, and finally, I mean, this was a process. This was a huge process for a, a dim-witted buffoon like myself <laughs> to go. And then finally I went, you know what? I want to know the other side of the story. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Because everything that I had been taught, everything that I had then in turn taught to my own children and other people's children at school mm-hmm. was all literally one-sided. That goes back to what you were saying too about never having your own original thought. There we go. That was the side that that was the side of the coin that you didn't even know was a coin. Exactly. Yeah. So I played around with with fire. I toyed around with fire and I started going, okay, let's look let's look at the other side of history. I I, I got I got all this Mormon history stuff where the the genesis of all this stuff that I've been involved in my entire life. Mm-hmm. I got that figure. I, I understand all that. Yeah. But what about the other side? What happened, what really happened in Missouri with the Mormons? Yeah. Was it all rape, pillage, and plunder by those drunken Missourian bastards? <laughs> come, to fi- come to find out, no, it wasn't. Yeah. That all of that has been carefully covered with a beautiful cherry wood veneer mm. and polished to reflect the image of the church. Mm-hmm. At least that's the information I had. Yeah. So I started looking at the other information. You know, I peeled off the layer, or as you said, I looked at the other side of the coin. 
Yeah, and found out that, hey, actually, Mormons coming west was not really the best thing. Well, there's there's so many pieces and parts to it. Oh, but yeah. how about how about Joseph Smith getting ran out of out of town on a rail? Mhm. Which is kind of funny cuz they actually strapped him to a rail. <laughs> yeah. And they would ride him out of town. It couldn't be comfortable on your uh, you know, why would they strap you to a rail? I don't know. Think about this. Because it's going to impact your crotch severely and repeatedly. <laughs> okay? It was punishment to the John John of the offending. It was, it was of, a punishment to the fullness of his gospel. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to put it. And so, you know, all of these things, all these things going on. So I, I you know, who who were the main persecutors of Joseph Smith? Well, it was the pastors and the priests of the other religions. Yeah. Okay, go back to early 1800s America. Please tell me, once again, and you all know the answer to this, everybody who, who would listen knows that the, the answer, the, the moral compass of those early frontier towns was the pastor. Mm-hmm. It was uh, the, the deacon. Yeah. Especially during, I mean, just that era alone. I mean, the, the, the reason why the, the Northeast is called the burned over district. Right. Especially at the time. At that time was because religion had come through and burned over everything. So the only people... And it came back around. Yeah. And the only thing that, or not the only, but like the most important person to follow at that time was your parish leader. Yes. So yeah, the, the, the moral compass being the parish leaders. Here we have this guy named Joseph Smith. And you start looking into some of the, some of the uh, untold stories. Mm-hmm. He was kind of a scoundrel. Yeah, charismatic, a, good oh, looking, extremely charismatic, and silver tongued, and, and just uh, like but, every other cult leader. Oh uh, yeah, but you, you you take a look at the, at the product of his of his efforts. The Mormon Church is fantastic yeah. as an organization. Oh, unbelievable, incredible! Uh, you know, the 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 charitable donations. Yeah. Are astounding. Yeah, it truly is. I mean, there's there's some other stuff that go along with it. Yeah, there you know, right. <laughs> but but yeah. right now let's just look at the positive for a second. Okay. <laughs> we'll do that. We'll do the that for phil- a minute. The the, the philanthropy how do you say philanthropy? Yeah. Okay. The philanthropy of the Mormon church is is amazing. Yeah. You know, go you go to worldwide disasters. Well, they showed up to Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans before FEMA did. Yeah. Uh you you know, remember the the horrible tsunami in in Indonesia, mm-hmm. twenty years ago. Yeah, what was it? Ninety six? No, it was two thousand four. Two thousand four. Gee, many Christmas time flies. Uh-huh. Whatever it was, two thousand six. It was some year. It was some year. <laughs> it was some year, and a lot of people were in a lot of trouble. Yeah, the Mormon Church sent literal boatloads of water, clothing, food, mm-hmm. and they were there before the world governments could get their get their crap together and do it. Yeah. So no, no, the that, level of organization is and that's incredible. What it is. That, it's the level of organization. It's the level of dedication. Yeah, okay, and we have now, Brother Brigham to thank for that. Right now, good old good old Brother Joseph. However, I think he was I think he was very charismatic. He was a great leader, no doubt. People, you you look you listen to or, or read about people who actually met him, mm-hmm. and he was he was an incredible human being. Yeah. Well, this incredible human being, I believe, had some what I would call weaknesses. Yeah. The weaknesses of the flesh. And he was especially... Um, it's one way to put it. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
and he, he you know he was he was willing to um use his charisma to attract young ladies mm-hmm. well he that's exactly what he was doing in you know name name the town that he got kicked out of mm-hmm. which is part of the reason why he got get kicked out of and got strapped to the rod and hit his oh. iron rod oh yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> There were some there were some issues there, and so they tried to poison him. They tried to kill him. Tarred and like, feather. Okay, tarred and feather, which, by the way, that's what they did to people who broke the moral code mm-hmm. of the time. Now, not saying that everybody in the frontier was some sort of a nun. No. But there were limits. The guys who tried to poison him, two brothers of the offended sister mm-hmm. that brother Joseph had... Um, had been sealed to uh, exercised his priesthood upon or whatever so, became as exalted upon <laughs> he yikes. had reached ex- exaltation <laughs> yikes um, <laughs> so that kind of stuff I started looking into the uh, the other side of of this polished history mm-hmm. and found out that it's dirty mm-hmm. okay you get into some of the Utah stuff the sugar doctrine uh, yeah Brigham Young gets up in the tabernacle and promotes sugar. Sugar will make you uh, will make your life more complete. You will be, I mean, everything from virility yep. to health to spiritual consciousness. And if you, the, and he said the saints should eat more sugar. Well, come to find out he had just purchased the biggest sugar beet refineries in the entire territory. Yeah, which is why that section of Salt Lake is called Sugar House. Ta-da! There we go. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that kind of stuff where it's like so self-serving. Yeah. And now that has not really stopped. I can't speak on that. City Creek I, Center, right across the street from Temple Square, owned and operated by the church. Well, not operated, but high-end fashion or not fashion mall, but like a high-end shopping mall where good old the prophet cuts the rib and says, let's go shopping. Hey, well, here's the deal though. Really? If I, I admire, I admire the organization of the Mormon church yeah. and I admire their intelligence because out of, out of anybody, you know, um, U.S. government, please listen to this <laughs> out of anybody. Who They're can already put, listening. Okay. Good <laughs> out of anybody who can put the right people in the right place, the Mormon church can. They find the best minds and they put them where they will be of the best service to that organization. And look what happens. It's they're filthy rich. Unbelievably they're rich. Un, they're, they're undeniably organized. Yep. And, and, they're, I mean, and it just continues. Yeah. Now, they might be bleeding membership in the United States for whatever reasons there, yeah. but they're gaining lots of traction outside the U.S. Well, it's basically like first world versus third world countries. And in first world countries, it's on the negatives. They're in the red. But in third world countries, they're positive. So jump back, you know, jump back to some of the history stuff. And so you, basically your point is like there's so many things about no, the my, history that... Right. Well, and, of, and here's the major point. The major point is that Joseph Smith was a Mason. Mm-hmm. Anybody who was anybody would belong to the Masons back then. Yeah. It was a great, it was a great organization, a service organization with its secrets and secrets and things like that handed down generations, dot, 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 all the way back to, you know, to the, the, I don't know. Grandpa would probably say the Knights Templar. The Knights Templar. <laughs> um, you need to get your Uncle Paul on here to talk about Masonic stuff because he dove deep into it. Sweet. I'll to, do it. To really look at it. Joe Smith was a Mason and they kicked him out. Okay. Why did the Masons kick him out? Because he was powerful? No. 
good looking? No, because he was charismatic and a leader of this, you know, unusual religion. No, I think that it's my opinion. They kicked him out because he was started going after their women. He started trying to ding their daughters. And so they said, you're done because he was breaking their moral code. Yeah. And so they booted him. All of a sudden, there is a fantastic revelation about this endowment, mm-hmm. which mirrors the Masonic rituals. Exactly. Exactly. Or did at the time. Mm-hmm. So therefore, seriously, Mr. Smith, seriously, I'm supposed to just chomp down on this because God said? I don't think so. Yeah. Was that the final straw for you? Oh, there were about 50 final straws. <laughs> so there's, a, by definition, only one, meaning final. <laughs> but it sounds uh, like It's that more of some... a rotating f- finality. <laughs> no, lots of things. Well, here you go. I, I mean, I, I was sitting in, in Priesthood meeting one time before, before checking out, and, and I thought, this is just, this is really dumb. We promote family, 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 and yet we take people away from their families as often as possible to have these meetings where we thump ourselves on the chests, we pat ourselves on the back. And wake up at ungodly hours in the morning. Get up in the morning, do your thing, because that's the best time to worship God. Apparently it's at five or six, basically. Hey, I went to to those prayer meetings. I put on the special clothes, Mm -hmm. okay, did it all, and and it was like, you know what, this is... I, I watched one of our leaders at one of those meetings. I watched one of our leaders. They said that you need to be here. The, the door closes at six o'clock. A.M. A.M. Door closes. If you're late, you're not coming in. Well, there was a couple that was late. The door, the door was closed to them. They, and, but they, they eventually got in. But they were raked over the coals for being late. The very next time I went... One of this boss's sons was late. Ooh. The door was opened. He was welcomed. It was no big deal. So the, ah, you know, like this, this double standard doesn't work for me because mm-hmm. I, I had, I had participated in the double standard extensively Yeah, with real, without true realization. And when you do realize it, you go apologize to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You really, you go yeah. say, I'm sorry. I was a jackass. And, I deserve nothing. Yeah. So wow. those kind of things. I was sitting in another meeting and th- this one, this was a, this was a true eye opener. Okay. The gospel will damn more people than it will save. Was that like a thought you had or that was what was said? Oh no, that was, that was promoted. I've heard that thing, that particular phrase, I'll bet you 50 times. The gospel will damn more people than it saves. Yes. And that's from the pulpit. That's from the pulpit. Okay, but I was sitting in I was sitting in a in a, a quorum meeting of a high priest quorum meeting, and that's what our, our the president of our quorum said. Because so we're talking about, you know, the the unfortunate things. We were, there were a few people who were leaving there, you know, and these these major issues were facing us. Mm-hmm. And he basically, uh, you know, proverbially slammed his fist on the table, and said, "The gospel will damn more people than it will save." And I thought that the, at that, I remember at that moment, I thought, I'm going to be damned. This is so sweet. <laughs> because I, oh, I, I had already, I had already gone through lots of motions there. Mm-hmm. And I heard that and it was shocking. 
And I wanted so bad to grab this guy by the shoulders and shake him and say, you, wait a minute, you believe in a God who promotes the damning of his children? Dude, reality check time. Mm-hmm. Okay, and the, the doctrine itself, okay, the doctrine itself I don't agree with, obviously. Yeah. But because it says this, if you, if you are, um, if, you, if this doctrine is revealed to you, then away you go, you know, head for the celestial kingdom, dot, dot, dot. If you don't do it, then you're busted. Yeah. You're going to go to hell. And so I started, you know, this is one of the thoughts I had. A benevolent God, mm-hmm. if such a being exists. Uh, a, a heavenly father, if you will, a heavenly father. Father is a heavy, or is a heavy, heavenly, heavy. Um, it's it's a very powerful phrase. Yes. The concept of father is part of that. Exactly. Yeah. Somebody who who apparently wants nothing but the best for his children. Mm-hmm. He's willing to let the kids learn themselves. Sure. You know, which where, is good. Where yeah. you know, I okay. think I think you know, I think heavenly father leaves his boots in the middle of the floor so we can trip on them. I think heavenly mother. Hopefully there's such a person. Would She's go, probably black. I hope so. <laughs> Have you seen those t-shirts? Like, I've met God. She's black. Oh, that's perfect. That's an amazing t-shirt. Because Queen Latifah would be making a really great God. <laughs> as long as she can cook. <laughs> okay. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That's like reading the shack. Um, but I, I thought a benevolent and, and loving father in heaven. Okay. In this grand scheme of things. This, I mean, we're talking grand. Mm-hmm. We're talking eternity grand. Universe eternity. Yeah, universe eternity. The the maker of the universe. Reality is, itself. Yeah, who is somehow concerned about me. First of all, that was kind of weird. But second of all, it was concerned enough about me to where I had to be a polygamist on this microscopic piece of timeline that we call earth life. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, what, what's our what's our lifespan now? 75 years? Yeah. In, etern- in eternity, <laughs> you're, set, <laughs> you're set for a 75-year spot. And if you don't do things right, you're screwed. Yeah. For the rest of that eternity. Yeah. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Go directly <laughs> to hell. <laughs> That's stupid. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's actually stu- it's actually a stupid idea. Yeah, it, it, it's cognitive dissonance is basically yeah. how you say it. it's like two thoughts that cannot coexist ha- occupying the same space. Agreed. Like I've, I mean, I actually have a slip of paper in my wallet still that ha- like has all that stuff. I call it. The, I mean, I don't, I don't think I'm the only one that's ever thought of this, but I call it the four O's. So God is, according to Judeo Christians, blah blah blah, omnipotent, omnipotent, omniscient, omnibenevolent, mm. and omnipresent. Mm-hmm. So the four O's. And if God is what we all hope and dream that He is, He can't she, be. She is. She. Sorry. Yeah. I don't want to misgender God. Um, I don't want to dead name him either. So her either. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, get it straight. Anyway, um, but like if if you th- if you take into context the for instance the Old Testament God. Old Testament God is not benevolent. Oh, holy buckets. What a jerk. Right? And hey, hey, go in there, go in there and kill everyone, including the beef cows. They couldn't even have a steak or a hamburger off of this cow. <laughs> or, hey, yeah, let's, uh, you know how you're like the prophet and these people want to rape your daughters? Give them to them. Yeah, and then, ahead. but don't look behind you or else you'll turn to a pillar of salt for some reason. 
Yeah, give them, let, let those, let the people <laughs> rape your daughters, but don't be. <laughs> or like, hey, here's a bunch of children that made fun of you because you're bald. Turn them into pigs and drown them. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> like, there's so many things and so many of those things that are apparently the divine word of the creator of reality itself, but we are still concerned about whether okay. or not you're, you know, saying the right thing. Wouldn't things. it be fun to read the original manuscripts? Of the Bible? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, way before the Council of Nicaea. Yeah. Way, way before the Catholic Church got a hold of it and said, hey, most people can't read. <laughs> or the monks that are like <laughs> transcripting by hand. I honestly think that most of the stuff in the Bible is just bored monks. Oh, no. That, that's why the best <laughs> joke in the world. The best joke in the world Okay, it's the, it's the one where, um, oh, blast it. My train of thought just derailed. Whoops. I'll have it in a second. Well, don't get strapped to a rail. Okay, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> don't get ridden out of town on a rail. Um, it's, it's so weird to think about all of those things. I mean, you go back, yes, you go back a couple millennia, mm-hmm. start playing around with that stuff. It's like, what, what really happened? Well, we kind of don't know. And I don't want to offend any of my Christian friends or anything like that, but seriously. It, it you can't sit and look at that objectively and not ask questions. There are question marks that pop up, just from a and I don't I don't find those those questions to be like, you know, super hard to arrive to. It's not like I had to think long and hard at, about those four O's. It was like, well, there's children who get cancer who die before they're ten. You're telling me an omnibenevolent, omniscient, all-powerful, omnipresent God is like, well, they chose that in the spirit life. That's I, their lot. See ya. Maybe they did. I'm okay with maybe. I'm, I'm okay with lots of maybes. Okay. Yeah, sure. Okay. But, but the specific, but, but the, one of the, one of the things that chased me away and I mean, really chased me away from this whole thing. I mean, thank you. Was the fact that I could, I could deal with maybes. Okay. Yeah. And everything was a definite. Everything was a definite. Previously. If, previously. Yeah. If you if you don't wear those those sacred priesthood garments, you're done. It's not you might run into some problems. It's you're done. Mm-hmm. You're cooked, you're fried. Stick a fork in you. Sayonara. Wow. Okay. If you don't live polygamy. If this if this doctrine has been revealed to you and you don't live it, then you're done. Bam, done. How about the second? How about the second endowments? It's basically just reinforcement, right? No, it's not reinforcement. It's going. You've arrived. There's nothing you can do to harm your salvation and exaltation. Essentially, the second endowments. You are exalted. Okay, so now uh, like... by whom? <laughs> God or God's mouthpiece? Yeah, which I just don't go with. Yeah. So I'm okay with the maybes. And and I, I used to I I had a few just a few conversations with relatives when I when I was on my journey, mm-hmm. when I was nearing the the uh, exit point, so to speak, from the from <laughs> You're the, about to hop on that exit. Yeah. Get off and that they said, what freeway. Are you know, kind of a well, what are you doing? I said, Well, I've decided something different for now. And they said, You can't. You made a covenant with God in the endowment. Mm-hmm. You made a covenant with God that you were going to do this. 
And I looked at him and said very frankly, well, I changed my mind. Boggled their minds. They said, you can't do that. And I said, I'm a human being. I reserve the right to change my mind. Perfect. On anything. Love it. And this is something where I have changed my mind. They said, well, you're you're probably going to go to hell. I said, well, maybe I'll change my mind about that. But here's what I'm satisfied with. I came to two very, very... I, I, what I believe, I believe very stark truths. These okay. are my truths. Okay. Number one, we're all going to die. That's a great truth. Mm-hmm. Number two, we're all going to be surprised at what happens after that. Nice. I don't have the answers and nobody else does either. I agree with that completely. Now, whether this existence is all there is and there's nothing but blackness afterwards, meaning your consciousness is gone and, and as, your, as your body checks out, your brain shuts down and is literal, just you're done. You're gone. There yeah. is no more. Blackness. Okay. There's not even blackness because you're not there. Oh, yeah, because you can't observe blackness because yeah. you're dead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's literally you, you are just, you're snuffed out and you become, you become, you know, dust eventually. Yeah. Toward worm turds. <laughs> there you go. Pushing up daisies. Yeah. Or... I kind of like, I like the other idea. This might be a relic of my upbringing, okay. but I'm really, really comfortable with the idea that there is, that there was a before, there is a now, and there is an after. Okay. I really, I, I'm very, very comfortable with those ideas. Now, I have other experiences that would kind of lend to that. Mm-hmm. Others of my friends will, were just saying, yeah, your brain's playing tricks on you, shut up. Yeah. So here's what I can say to people. I can change my mind. And if there's a conflict, I'll take it up with God when I meet her. Let's end it there. <laughs> you got it. <laughs>